Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show for the weekend of May 22nd to May 25th, 2020. My name's Paulo, and I'm your host. So happy Memorial Day to all of those here in the States. I hope you're enjoying your socially distant barbecues and burgers. And with much of the country having a four-day weekend, this is the perfect weekend for studios to release their big summer blockbusters to start off the unofficial beginning of summer. Or it would be in normal times anyway. Uh, In another universe, we would have gotten the newest Fast and Furious movie, F9, this year, as well as Paramount's animated SpongeBob SquarePants movie, Spuns on the Run. Uh, That said, it has been a while since we've had a top five, so even though we don't have any movies in theaters really this time this year, uh, let's go ahead and take a look at the top five films to open on Memorial Day weekend. And in fact, for this week's box office concept, I want to take a deeper look into exactly what sets Memorial Day weekend apart uh, from other normal weekends in terms of box office return. Uh, Alright, so it's been a while since we've done the top 5, but let's go through the top 5 movies to ever open on Memorial Day weekend and what their opening weekends were. So in first place, uh, we have 2007's Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, which is the third movie in this franchise. It opened for $114 million in 4,362 theaters for a per-theater average of $26,300. It would go on to make $309 million domestically, uh, which is a 2.69 multiplier, and overall $963 million worldwide. In second place, uh, we have 2006's X-Men The Last Stand, uh, the third movie in this franchise, back before uh, Marvel had an iron grip on the superhero genre. Uh, This had $102 million in 3,690 theaters for a per-theater average of $27.8,000. This would go on to make $234.3 million domestic, uh, a 2.28 multiplier, and just under $500 million worldwide at $459 million. Uh, definitely shows the difference that the superhero market uh, ends up being today. Um, you'd expect a major um, Marvel movie to make probably at least a billion dollars at the box office nowadays, or maybe $800 million for one of the lower-tier uh, Marvel heroes. Uh, next up, in third place, we have 2008, so 2007, 2006, 2008. Uh, 2008 has Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal. Crystal Skull, which is the fourth Indiana Jones movie. Uh, it opened to $100 million in 4,260 theaters for a per theater average of $23,500. This would go on to make $317.1 million domestically, uh, a healthy 3.16 multiplier, and uh, $786 million worldwide. Uh, next up in fourth place, 2013, we have the sixth Fast and the Furious movie. Uh, it opened to $97 million uh, in 3,658 uh, theaters for a per theater average of $26,600. This would go on to make $238.7 million domestically, uh, 2.45 times multiplier, um, which, you know, given the fact that this franchise is important on uh, more more reliant on international numbers. This makes sense given it made $789 million worldwide. Uh, finally, in fifth place, uh, is a very recent edition. Last year's Aladdin, uh, came the, re- the remake with Will Smith, came out with $91.5 million in 4,476 4, theaters per theater average of $20.4,000. Uh, this would go on to make $30, $355.6 million domestically, which is a uh, 
ridiculous 3.88 multiplier uh, and go on uh, one of the big big winners of last year 1.05 billion dollars worldwide so even though it's fifth uh, in terms of you know, opening weekend, uh, and end up you know of these five being the most worldwide total gross. Um, you know, some other films that came out Memorial Day weekend that didn't make this top five: uh, Star Wars: Return of the Jedi, also the Star Wars uh, spinoff movie Solo, uh, Jurassic Park: The Lost World, uh, The Hangover Parts Two and Three. Uh, Pearl Harbor, Men in Black 3, uh, the second and third Indiana Jones actually also opened on this weekend, uh, the animated film Madagascar, uh, Beverly Hill Cops number 2, Kung Fu Panda 2, and also both Mission Impossibles 1 and 2. Now, these numbers that I just went over are the three-day totals. Uh, so this is Friday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, also inclusive of any Thursday night previews. Um, I believe uh, X-Men The Last Stand is the only one that didn't actually have any previews. Um, but yeah, uh, if you will, let's go through the top five, including the four days, and then we'll actually go ahead and throw in, uh, we'll list out what all each individual day made. So in first place is still Pirates of the Caribbean 3. Uh, Friday, Thursday numbers were 55. Saturday was 37. Sunday was 34. And on Monday added an additional 26 million for a total of $139 million. Uh, in second place, uh, Indiana Jones and X-Men The Last Stand switched. So Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of Crystal Skulls um, opened uh, 55 on Thursday, Friday, 36 on Saturday, uh, 33 on Sunday, and then 26 on Monday for a total of $126 million. Uh, and then X-Men The Last Stand uh, opened up uh, to 45 on Friday with no Thursday numbers, uh, 31 on Saturday, 25 on Sunday, 20 on Monday for a total of $122 million. Uh, in fourth place, uh, we have the sixth Fast and the Furious movie, uh, opened to 43 on Thursday, Friday, 31 on Saturday, 26 million on Mon Sunday, and then an extra 19 million on the Monday, a uh, total of $117 million. And finally, Aladdin, uh, 38 million on Thursday, Friday, 30 million on sa Saturday, another 30 million on Sunday, so no drop there, and then 25 million on the Monday for a total of $116 million. So uh, now that we have kind of our top five films for Memorial Day weekend, I was actually curious to take a look at how did these films' performance compare to a normal week? Um, now, obviously, you can't really control for the quality of the film um, and you know the, the appeal and the marketing and which studio put it out and all that, but uh, the best we can do is go ahead and take a look at the films that uh, premiered before as well as the films that premiered after and see if we can find any trends. Uh, so going in order from, from most uh, profit, uh, highest opening on Memorial Day weekend to uh, least among these top five, in order for the year, 2007's Pirate of the Caribbean, uh, the week before, actually had Shrek 3 come out and then the week after had the film Knocked Up. Uh, 2006, uh, X-Men The Last Stand, the week before, had The Da Vinci Code come out, and the week after had the film The Breakup. Uh, 2008, uh, Indiana Jones 4, um, the week before was the Prince Caspian installment of the Chronicles of Narnia um, uh, movie series, which I don't think that really went anywhere, um, and then followed up the week after with the Sex and the City movie. Uh, 2013 uh, had Fast and the Furious 6. Uh, the week before uh, had Star Wars, Star Trek, excuse me, Star Trek Into Darkness come out. And then the week after was the Magic Heist movie, Now You See Me. And finally, last year, 2019, uh, Aladdin opened Memorial Day weekend. The week before, we had the R-rated John Wick 3, Parabellum, come out. And then the week after was Godzilla, King of the Monsters.
So again, we can't control for marketing or quality of the film. Um, it may actually just be a self-fulfilling prophecy that because the studio put these films here, it was just going to do better, or they put their best performing films here that the ones that they thought would do best to maximize the potential revenue um, and potentially just sacrificing the films in the weeks around it. But again, still worth taking a look at, I think. So first off, let's look at per the average. Um, logically speaking, again, this is the number that represents the amount of money, you know, total made up divided by the number of theaters released in. So you could think of it basically as the number of, basically how much interest in there, how many, how much are people going to actually go see this film in theaters the weekend they're coming out. Um, you'd expect there to be a higher per theater average um, on Memorial Day weekend because of, you know, more people are coming into, uh, the, are able to go to the theaters, maybe their families all together, they all have to weekend off. So, you know, when they go see the movies or maybe on Sunday, um, you may see that people decide like, hey, I don't have to go to work tomorrow. Let's go out Sunday night to go see a movie when we wouldn't otherwise because you know, it's a school night the next day. So the following numbers are all for the three-day Friday to Sunday numbers, inclusive of the Thursday previews, but excluding any uh, Monday night numbers that you may come from the holiday weekend. All right. So the Memorial Day films, the five that we talked about, you know, at the top of the show, um, all of their per theater averages, if you remember, are above twenty thousand dollars, and often they're close to twenty five thousand uh, dollars. In comparison, the films pre Memorial Day weekend generally had lower per theater averages. Uh, Two thousand seven did have Shrek three having a higher per theater average than Pirates of the Caribbean, but that kind of makes sense given that you know Shrek is a beloved, you know, family friendly uh, ish. Uh, animated film. It was a juggernaut in its own right. Um, so that makes sense that it, it would be able to compete against uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, the Da Vinci Code uh, the, in 2006, uh, was it 2000? Uh, no, yeah, 2006 also did break 20,000 per theater average. And it was a phenomenon in and of itself, though, because it was a very popular book as well. Um, though, again, it did not outdo X-Men 3 uh, in that year. Uh, the other three years, 2008, 2013, 2019, uh, all the per theater averages averaged between $10,000 and $15,000, much lower than the $20,000 to $25,000 range uh, for Memorial Day weekend films. You know, and looking at all the films that came out the week after Memorial Day, um, they all had lower per theater averages than the uh, corresponding Memorial Day weekend film. Uh, three of the films uh, were in the $10,000 range. Um, Star Trek and Sex in the City, two pre-existing properties with you know large fan bases, did have per theater averages closer to $17,000, but again, still less than the $20,000 you know benchmark for Memorial Day weekend films. You know, so based on these numbers, uh, we can conclude that more people are in theaters on the Memorial Day weekend, like the true weekend, compared to you know a normal weekend. Uh, this is also supported by another metric, which is the Saturday to Sunday drop. So basically, this measures how much revenue is made on Sunday compared to Saturday. If a film made $100 on Saturday and then $90 on uh, Sunday, this is a 10% Saturday to Sunday drop. Uh, so Pirates of the Caribbean, for example, had a 9% drop compared to Shrek 3, which had a 23% drop, and Knocked Up, which had a 14% drop. X-Men 3, 20% uh, drop versus Da Vinci Code's 23% and Breakup's 32%. Uh, Indiana Jones 4 had a 10% drop versus Prince Caspian's 25% drop and Sex and the City's 29% drop. Uh, Fast and the Furious had a 15% drop compared to Star Trek's 20% and Now You See Me's 22%. And Aladdin had an astounding 0% drop uh, compared to John Wick's 26% drop and Godzilla's 25% drop. So, you know, you can normally expect probably like a 20 to 30-ish percent range drop um, 
Whereas, you know, the actual drops uh, for Memorial Day weekends tend to be closer to the, you know, probably between the 5 and 20 5 to 15% range drop realistically speaking um so yeah that's just you know more people are going to theaters on uh saturday uh, on sunday compared to the saturday on memorial day weekend compared to other weeks and you know on top of people going to go see movies uh, over the normal three day true weekend so to speak uh, you have an additional day where people can go see the movie we all these numbers so far don't include any you know Monday numbers so you know for these five movies this can be anywhere from again 20 to 25 million dollars extra uh, you can also look at the day over day drops you know we were just looking at Saturday to Sunday what about Sunday to Monday and see how this affected things so you know the Memorial Day weekend films um, Pirates of the Caribbean 27% the week before Shrek three had a 73 percent drop from sunday to monday which is much more realistic for you know if there's actually school or work the next day knocked up had a 54 percent drop um you know so pirate the caribbean is 27 versus 73 or 54 percent that's pretty ridiculous um x-men 3 had a 20 percent drop versus da vinci's uh 58 percent and breakups 62 percent indiana jones had a 10 percent drop compared to prince caspian's 69 percent nice uh and sex in the city's 56 percent drop uh fast and the furious 6 had a 27 percent drop versus star trek uh, 63% drop, or now you see me 65% drop, and Aladdin had a 16% Sunday to Monday drop compared to John Wick 3's 61% and Godzilla's 68%. So yeah, again, this just goes to illustrate that the drops from Sunday to Monday are you know somewhere in the 10 to 25-ish percent range uh, for Memorial Day, whereas in normal days it would be somewhere you know in the 50 to 60, even 70 percent uh, range drop from Sunday to Monday. Um, another thing, you know, I don't know how like what exactly the rationale for this, but something I also noticed was that the films that open on Memorial Day weekend tend to stay in theaters for longer. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean uh, was in theaters for 19 weeks compared to Shrek 3's 12 weeks or Knocked Up's 17 weeks. Uh, X-Men 3 was in theaters for 18 weeks, uh, whereas Da Vinci Code and Breakup were both in theaters for 14 weeks. Uh, Indiana Jones 4 was in theaters for 21 weeks versus the 16 weeks both for Prince Caspian and Sex in the City. Um, the one exception to this rule is actually Fast and the Furious 6, uh, which was only in theaters for 15 weeks, whereas Star Trek Into Darkness and Now You See Me uh, were in theaters for 17 weeks. Um, I figure that's probably because Fast and the Furious, again, is very internationally loaded as opposed to domestically loaded. In Aladdin, uh, finally, 2019, was in theater for 22 weeks, a ridiculously long time, compared to John Wick's uh, 3's uh, 17 weeks and Godzilla's 13 weeks. Um, again, this might be due to the quality of the film, right? Uh, if the film is just a better film, it'll stay in theaters longer, and you know, studios will probably put their better film on the Memorial Day weekend. Um, there's also like a cannibalization competitive function. Um, you know, Aladdin, for example, probably took some of the audience off from people who would have gone to see Godzilla. Um, and John Wick, you know, as an R-rated film, just doesn't have as much reach as a family-friendly film, so it'll be in theaters for not as long. But again, the point still stands that these films, you know, generally have a higher opening weekend, um, even if that is somewhat artificially inflated due to the holiday, having an extra day there. And so, you know, having a, in general, we've seen that the high, the higher your opening weekend is, assuming your legs are pretty consistent, which these legs tended to be, there weren't any really odd legs here and any like major drops, um, aside from maybe Fast and the Furious 6, um, you will stay in theaters longer. So you know, Memorial Day, we can just give you the boost to maybe get a couple more weeks in theaters. 
Um, in any case, assuming that there are no changes to the release schedule, um, which almost certainly will be, uh, 2021, so next year's Memorial Day weekend films, uh, there are two planning on coming out. Uh, one is Disney's Cruella, starring uh, Emma Stone, and then Paramount has a sci-fi action film starring Mark Wahlberg called Infinite. Uh, so hopefully we'll be around next year to figure out, you see how those films stack up against the legacy of Memorial Day films. In any case, that's the box office concept and your top five for this week. Um, there are some also news in the, bo- in the box office world I wanted to touch on quickly. So we'll try to do this lightning round style. Um, but yeah, first up on the business side of things, uh, Disney's head of streaming, Kevin Mayer, has actually stepped down from the company and was signed to become uh, the CEO of a viral streaming app, uh, TikTok. Um, and he also became the chief operating officer of their parent company, ByteDance. Um, you know, given that he was kind of past up internally by the Disney board of directors for uh, the CEO the, to replace Bob Iger in the CEO role. Uh, Bob Chapek, as we know, took that position. Um, he probably didn't really have much else to do inside the company. I mean, he's done a remarkable job getting Disney Plus in place. I'm sure like ESPN and Hulu were also involved in his work as well. So um, yeah, we'll see what he does uh, with TikTok. Uh, and you know their their various videos there, um, you know. In di- and moving along in this week's installment of the Tenet Watch, uh, the new trailer for Chris Nolan's uh, film premiered. Um, interestingly enough, on Fortnite of all places, um, supposedly this was Chris Nolan's idea after having a phone call with the creative director of Epic Games, uh, which is the company that publishes the Battle Royale video game. Um, supposedly, this was the next best thing after having after having trailers in theaters. And in a way, this makes sense. Uh, for movies, uh, for Nolan, for, hey, for Chris Nolan, uh, movies is all about the Korean experience of watching something together with other people at the same time. In fact, for the first trailer that premiered for Tenet, uh, it was attached only only to in-theater trailers, uh, I believe first with Hobbs and Saw, and then also Joker. Um, so yeah, it, it wasn't online at all for several months. Um, given that you know, in Fortnite, the, ex- the the whole experience of Fortnite is about experiencing something, in this case the game, at the same time with the other players in a, the same digital location, um, it kind of makes sense that this is aligned with like you know. Uh, Chris, Chris Nolan's idealism of you know what a movie-going experience would be. Um, the trailer itself doesn't have a date attached to it, um, but all the descriptions on official marketing and social media still point toward a July 17th release date. So we'll see if that actually uh, ends up coming to pass. Uh, as of right now, it looks like it is. Um, in other news that no one saw coming, uh, the infamous Snyder Cut of the Justice League uh, is coming to HBO Max in 2021. So for those of you not in the know, uh, Justice League obviously is the DC's answer to the Avengers movies, which did terribly. Um, word of mouth was pretty pretty bad, and you know people some some people measure how well a film did in Justice League. So that's kind of like how little money it actually ended up making. Um, so you know. Fans have been saying for a long time that hey, you know, this was studio meddling. Like you know, Chris, like Zack Snyder, actually had a vision for this that was very different uh, from from what actually was released. And a fan petition to quote unquote release the Snyder cut uh, was born and kind of you know picked up momentum. And finally, I guess uh, Warner kind of acknowledged it and ended up working a deal out with Zack Snyder to release his director's cut uh, on the HBO Max platform. Obviously, this is a play to get people to uh, buy into the HBO Max platform. Platform, which is uh, as of the time of recording releasing in a couple of days so we'll see how that goes um, again this also makes sense given that uh, the DC universe is supposedly the 
IP uh, that Warner Brother owns that is generating the most hype that people are most want to see on uh, HBO Max uh, ahead of Game of Thrones and Friends. Um, supposedly, there's an air cut of Suicide Squad, and I wouldn't expect to see that until after James Gunn version of the Suicide Squad comes out. But yeah, uh, congratulations to everyone who is campaigning for the Snyder Cut to make it out there. Uh, in other uh, streaming and POVD news, following along from uh, you know streaming trailers on Fortnite or HBO Max, uh, Warner Brothers Scoob, which I talked about last week, uh, has not yet announced its total revenue over the last week. It's been out or so, but it's still currently the number one movie on various VOD and PVOD charts. Uh, the number two film is the independent gangster film Capone, uh, starring ha- Tom Hardy, and it's reported that it's made $2.5 million over 10 days. Um, now, that's seems pretty good um but that said the budget for capone was 20 million dollars so this will likely be an uphill climb towards profitability for that uh film uh, on the streaming side of things, uh, the Paramount film Lovebirds uh, from Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani was picked up by Netflix. Uh, it came out this past weekend and was the number one film on the platform for this weekend. Originally was supposed to come out, I believe, the same weekend as uh no Time to Die, which is earlier in April. Um, again, Netflix hasn't released exactly what numbers on exactly how many people have watched it, but uh, there were definitely at least one account, which is mine. Uh, so good job to the team there for getting the number one movie um, on Netflix. Um, following In Lovebird Steps and getting acquired for director streaming, uh, the Tom Hank war movie uh, Greyhound was actually coming to Apple TV+, Plus, which is pretty surprising for a lot of people. Um, the budget for the film was a $50 million budget. Uh, the reports say that se- that Apple paid $70 million for rights to distribution. Um, this was originally going to be released on June 12th. Uh, there was no current release date for this, but uh, good on the uh, team to, to get a uh, nice little windfall. Uh, if this was a um, theatrical release. They would have had to made $150 million or uh, $140 million to kind of break to, to match, match this number here. So um, yeah, good job. to They were able, I guess, get that with, with this uh, director streaming deal. Um, in other director streaming news, uh, the universal film uh, Irresistible, which is a political comedy uh, by Jon Stewart, is coming direct to PVOD on June 26th. Um, it was originally meant to come out uh, this coming weekend, I think, actually, May 12th. Um, not sure what, what the budget is, and you know, obviously this is might be universal, again, trying to push the boundaries of what they are going to be able to release on PVOD. Um, but given that it's an election-related movie in an election year, they probably can't afford to push this one out uh, way till theaters open again so yeah this kind of makes sense from from that angle um uh, and other universal news edgar writes last night in soho is late to 2021 which is a bit of a disappointment i was looking forward to that potentially being an oscar contender for this year um that said his uh film scott pilgrim versus the world uh they recently did a live you know like a tweet along of the movie and then they announced that they're actually going to be bringing it back to theaters for its 10th anniversary uh this coming august so that's something to look forward to uh when we can go back to theaters and speaking of that um news out is that uh, los angeles is planning on potentially potentially uh opening movie theaters as early as uh july 4th uh, which would be pretty exciting um they also may be allowing production on movies and tv shows to reopen this week though just because they're open doesn't mean that the unions and the production companies are going to agree and get back to work immediately. Um, apparently, they were pretty surprised and they weren't consulted. Uh, we'll see. You know, once those companies get the health and safety and everything in place, uh, when production will start, will pick up again, so that we can get you know more movies into the pipeline. Um, 
you know, and that said, even though LA will be opening uh, movie theaters uh, soon again, um, the Academy, uh, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago about, you know, they've changed their requirements for what, what it needs to be uh, eligible for movies. Um, the Academy may potentially be delaying the Oscars in 2021. Uh, there's no date set yet. Um, but, you know, given that I have another podcast about watching all of the nominees, uh in a given year before the Oscar ceremony, uh, check out the uh, Oscars Death Race podcast, Sameless Plug. Um, call me interested. I'll be following this along to see uh, when the Academy and what they end up deciding to do with regard to all that. In any case, uh, that brings us to the end of this week's box office news and box office concept. Uh, I already gave a top five, uh, not exactly the same top five we normally do, but uh, here's what I've been watching. Uh, as mentioned last week, uh, I did check out the aforementioned Lovebirds on Netflix. Uh, pretty fun date night watch, uh, easily easy 90 minutes, pretty fun, especially if you're a fan of Issa Rae from her TV show Insecure or from, of Kumail Nanjiani from uh, Silicon Valley, definitely along that line of comedy. Um, so yeah, that, that was, it was a pretty fun watch. Um, other than that, most of the things I've been watching have been movies for my p- other podcasts, uh, for my movie club podcast, Filmography in Focus. Uh, this month, we're wo- working on uh, Steven Spielberg's movies from pre-1990. So in light of that, I've watched uh, E.T., Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and I marathoned all three of the first uh, Indiana Jones films, Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, and Last Crusade. Um, just great fun all around. Uh, definitely picking up some great things, but you know, definitely check out the Filmography and Focus podcast that's coming out uh, later this week on Friday. Um, and on top of that, I've also been watching the 90s anime Evangelion, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, uh, which is on Netflix uh, for my anime podcast, yet another anime podcast. Uh, I actually had never seen the classic film before, um, even though it's super influential. So yeah, boy, is it weird. Um, but totally worth it, but still weird as hell. Um, the, so what I ended up watching was the original 26-episode TV anime, uh, Japanese uh, dub, English subtitles, um, as well as the end of Evangelion movie. For those of you not in the know, um, the last two episodes of the movie gets kind of written pretty different from the rest of the series. Um, and then kind of in response to the fan outcry, uh, the director Hideaki Anno ended up releasing uh, the true ending, uh, which is end of Evangelion, which is basically a retelling of the events of the last two episodes. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the core Evangelion. Now, that said, uh, they also decided to do these uh, rebuild movies, which are basically, um, again, retellings of the entire series, new animation, re- new designs, a couple of different plot points. Uh, some might say, spoiler alert, um, that's a little bit of like a time loop, you know, Groundhog Day situation. But uh, in any case, I'll probably be watching those over the next week or so um, in preparation for the episode of my anime podcast about the Evangelion franchise. Uh, so check that out for my full thoughts on the series there. Uh, with that, that wraps up this week's watch. If you have any feedback or suggestions for box office concepts, uh, shoot me over an email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, if you could leave a review of your podcast service of choice or on podchaser.com, that would be super helpful. I'll include those links in the show notes. Numbers used in this episode come from thenumbers.com. Uh, our intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been a Box Office Watch podcast. And remember, our watch goes on. Bye, guys. Bye.